Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. How many of you um, have challenges going on in your life right now? If, if somebody's hand isn't up next, next to you, then they're probably not telling the truth. Um, how many of you have had challenges going on in your life right now? Just, just put your hands up. Right. Rowan's got both hands up. You must. Anyway, <laughs> he must have big issues over there. We have started um, on an incredible uh, journey of discovery. And for those of you that were here last Sunday, where we shared um, via video the, the, the kind of the vision from our senior pastor Clive about what God was doing. And it's a couple of words that we're going to use today out of what he brought. The first one is unprecedented. Just say to the person next to you, unprecedented. It doesn't mean that we haven't got a president, although maybe that's not a bad thing. Hallelujah. But it's unprecedented. It means never seen before, never done before, never experienced before. And uh, as I was kind of leading through service last week, uh, just as a recap, is that 2020 has significance around it. Uh, 2020 means a year of deliverance. And deliverance means deliverance. It means that captives are going to be set free. Those that have been bound are going to find release. Those that have had patterns of sickness are going to find a pattern of health. Those that have had a pattern of despair are going to find a pattern of welcome and belonging. That God wants to deliver you and me out of our past. But it's this year. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well, it's every year. Yes, it is. But we're only living in this year right now. So however we've lived in the last 10, 15, 20, 50, 70, 80 or even 90 years, this is the year where God wants to deliver us. He wants to come into your life and come into my life with such passion, such energy that our life is transformed beyond our past. Deliverance, complete and utter freedom. The Bible says that it was for freedom. In other words, there was a real reason. There was a practical reason why Jesus came. He came because he loves you, but he came to do something. And what he came to do was to set you free. Woohoo! And what I've been finding this just in these last what, eight days now is that freedom is an amazing gift from God. Freedom is an amazing blessing or a gifting from God, which I realise I don't deserve. And just so as we're all clear, neither do you. (laughs) But God wants to deliver you and deliver me into an experience of freedom. That we live guilt-free, shame-free, pain-free. We live anxiety free. Freedom is a condition that God has paid the price for us to live in. And this year, 2020, God wants to deliver you and deliver me from all our troubles. Say all our troubles. What do you think that means? I'll tell you what, you are a smart lot this morning. The lot last week were a bit slower. You lot are amazing. 
is when God says, I'm going to deliver you from all your troubles, He has never ever in the whole of time and space put a bracket around that and said, accept this. When the Bible says, I'm going to deliver you from all your troubles, He never caveats it by saying, well, apart from you, because I don't like you. Or apart from you, because you're a bit weird. Or apart from you. So why are you looking at me like that, Sue? That's rude. When he says, I'm going to deliver you from all of your troubles, he doesn't then put, apart from the ones that you're dealing with, because they're really hard. When God says, I want to deliver you from all your troubles, he means I want to deliver you from all your troubles. Whoop, whoop. We love you. That's a funny time for an alarm. Oh, is it? You need to get up earlier. <laughs> and we also looked last week, and just as a reminder, that 20, the number 20, means redemption. Redemption. So this year has two lots of redemption in it. So God wants us to experience this total wonderful deliverance. That the Bible says when Jesus went to the cross, which he has already done, he delivered us. There's deliverance for you today from pain, shilt, game, fear, rejection, hurt. There's deliverance available for you if you want to take hold of that. But there's also redemption available for us. The interesting thing about Jesus as a Redeemer is although He paid the price by giving His life, our Redeemer lives. Jesus lives. He's not a Redeemer who gave once and died. But actually this Redeemer lives today and today He wants to redeem you. He wants to add value back into your life. He wants to add purpose back into your life. He wants to put the wealth back into you. Oh, hallelujah. So in these, just these last eight days, I've just taken on a little bit of a journey that I've had. So it's going to be a bit personal, but I'm not walking your journey. You're not walking my journey. All right. So on Sunday, vision, brilliant, awesome. Already heard it, already kind of part of it, already helped fashion the script for it. Lardy, 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 lardy. But what I realise is it's no good trying to live the vision third person. You've got to live it in the third person. In other words, what God was saying last Sunday was for me. And whether I know God or not, or whether you know God or not, it's also for you. God doesn't have double vision. He's not cross-eyed like Clarence the Lion. If you can remember that programme, some of you may be, But God has very clear vision. God's vision is when he looks at your life and when he looks at my life over this year, is he has something in mind. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you, wants to bless you. He wants to bring you into the truth of who he is and what he's done. He hasn't got another agenda. He's only got one. And he'll do anything and has done everything to fulfill that for you and for me. How cool is that? 
So God's got this vision for you and for me. So last Sunday I was sitting there thinking, this is amazing, already heard it a couple of times, already gone through the script a few times. And yet in that moment, God was speaking to me. I, I've seen God do loads of stuff over the years since I've known God and followed him and it's been up and down and in and out, shake it all about, do the hokey-cokey and turn around. I've been there. I've been there. Seen miracles, creative miracles, death-defying miracles, all kinds. I've been there and God said to me, but I'm going to do something that you've never seen. Ooh, get in. And partly I was just looking at it thinking, oh, that'd be cool. And then Monday God began to say, it's got to be more than cool, it's got to be hot. It's got to be more than cool. It's got to be more than just, oh, that's nice. Into God, I want that. I want that. So on Monday, God began to deal with my own heart. And we can look at a few scriptures in which he did that through. And some of the guys that were in the Bible school, they know the journey that I've been on this week. Why? Because I'm known for being someone that drops people in it. But I was dropped in it from a great height. So Tuesday morning at half past nine in the morning, I had 10 minutes to prepare for the rest of the first week of term. I've been in our Bible school for 84 terms. And I don't look old enough, but it's true. And I've never led a first week of term. But I can't say that now. So this last week for me was unprecedented. Hello there. Thank you for reaping what I've been sowing over these years. But I'll tell you what. What I learned is that God is totally faithful, totally trustworthy. And I don't know about you, but well, you can ask the students if you can find one. Is what God was saying is there is a fire that is coming down from heaven in 2020, which God uses as the vehicle for both deliverance and for redemption. There is no soft option. There is no get out of jail free. The fire of the passion of the love of God is the get out of jail free card. The only way that you and I are going to experience deliverance is by putting our lives onto a place that we can get in a moment where God's fire, his passion. This fire can sound like it's scary. It can feel a little bit like, oh my goodness me. But let me tell you, it is the purest form of God's love you'll experience. I'm going I'm to unashamedly now advertise some things that we do in the church for your benefit. All right. Freedom course. If you have not come through the freedom course, you haven't lived. Let me tell you, you might be having issues with that, but let me tell you, I've done it seven times and every single time God does something unprecedented again because it's by the truth that we live, that we live in freedom. Not by the truth that we know about, but the truth that we know of. So here's, here's a plug out there. If you're a bloke here, we want to run some, a men's freedom group this time. Don't delay it, don't put it off. If you've already done it, do it again. If you haven't do it, definitely do it. Because God is going to use it to deliver you. It's only a course, but it's how God uses it. Here's another one. If you're a lady, so you're either one or the other one. And if you haven't done it, get stuck in, get involved with it. All of our first years are going to do it this term. It's going to totally change your life. And it needs to. 
But even if you've done it before, do it again. Like I said before, you would never ever dream of running a car without getting it checked every year. You would never ever buy a new piece of equipment and not have a warranty for it because you can renew it, check it. Well, come on, how much more important is it to check our own walk with God? And let the Word of God be in alignment. So am I living in that? Am I living like that? And if yes, thank God, let's do it more. If no, then God, bring me into that place. So freedom's really important. If you're in part of the congregation, if you're not in a small group, you need to get into one. And I'll explain why as we get into the Word. Because small group helps keep the, the smouldering wicks alive. Come on. Oh, there's going to be opportunity. I mean, you can sign up for freedom today, actually. But small groups, we're going to talk out a little bit more. But here we come. Tuesday morning, wake up. And God begins to speak to me out of this scripture that's going to come on the screen. Uh, some of you probably would know the, the, the season of time. It's 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18 is an interesting period of time because there is social upheaval, there's political upheaval, the, the weather is not doing what the weather's supposed to do, it's not been raining for ages, there's famine, there's all kinds of stuff, there, there, there's, there's, our cult is, is operating, there's all kinds of bad stuff going on spiritually, and yet in the middle of that, God has an answer. There's all kinds of, uh, of, of authority play and power play and there's people wanting to take uh, wrong authority and there's people being abused in their authority. But in the middle of that, God wants to deliver a nation. Not too different from today. Where there is political upheaval, uh, where the weather's doing what the weather's doing, uh, where the economy is going up and down like a yo-yo. God wants to come into your today and deliver you from it. I mean, finding 1 Kings, we have this incredible story. If you've got your Bible, let's find it. If not, it's going to come up on the screen anyway. Where I've, I've seen this story in a bit of a different kind of way. Uh, from how I've read it, preached on it, taught on it, studied it for years and years and years and years. But I've got, a, I suppose it's just a different view now that God has brought me into. And uh, hopefully it will happen with you. 1 Kings 18. And we're going to start... Um, Start verse, I'll just start reading from verse 16. So here we have this conflict context. Politics, as I've said, is troubled. Economy is insta instability. Very little godliness. All kinds of religion, spiritual chaos, all kinds of stuff going on. I said, and even the weather was all over the place. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. Ahab was the king and, was, and told him, uh, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Now, just hear what I'm about to say here. If we are not standing up for God, then we're not causing anybody any trouble. What I don't mean, what this scripture doesn't mean, is that you end up as a troublemaker. But if we're not standing up for the purposes and the will of God, then we're not causing anybody any trouble. What we're saying is, the world... Just do what you like and do it how you like. So part of this unprecedented dynamic, I believe, is that the church across this nation is going to have to stand up for who it believes in and what it believes in. 
Hello there. Is that the political aspects of church, the, the um, ecumenical side of it, is going to get burnt? Because the church of Christ has to stand up for the truth of God. Who is God and what's God done? Not what have we done or what is our truth? And that's going to cause trouble. I don't know whether I shared it here, I can't remember. Can't remember, doesn't matter, I'm going to do it again anyway. But there was a friend of ours, as in Kingdom Faith, that spent 12 minutes with Boris Johnson the day of the election. Did I tell you that the other day? Just a setup. What he didn't know is that for months before that, God had been downloading one prophecy, one vision, one scripture, time and time and time and time and time again about what was going to happen on that election and what's going to be happening for these next years. And he just met him for 12 minutes, shook his hand and the anointing transferred from this guy to Boris Johnson. Every single prophetic voice that we have any relationship with has all said, God has said Brexit is the way out. If it's not political. I'm not a political animal. I'm a chaser of Jesus animal. So whatever your political view is, put it onto the fire. Whether you were for it or against it, let's be for God. And in that 12 minutes, this guy, a couple of his other guys that were there were able to prophesy. They were able to pray, bless who, the person that became our new prime minister with the greatest majority there's been since 1930. Come on. So again, that might disturb some of your politics. Then you've got to burn your politics, my friend. Because God is not a politician. He's a king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He is a God most high, far above every other name and every other political colour or ambition. God doesn't have ambition like that. But he uses people. That's why he's going to use you and use me. So I thank God that we've now been delivered from the clag that we've been in for three years and now we're going to get a bit of resolution. But we need to begin to cause trouble for the enemy. We need to begin to stand up, take our place. Begin to be God's spokespeople in the home, in the workplace, in the town, streets, villages. God has something to say around where you live. So it's not about going and you know, spraying graffiti everywhere and being, being anti-social. But, but God is saying there's an unprecedented arising. There is something in the spirit of God that you and I need to arise into. That the enemy is going to say, I didn't see that coming. Good. Oh, they're pretty stupid anyway, the enemy. <laughs> As you begin to tackle them. And then it goes on and says this. Uh, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you. And your fa families have. You see, when the church begins to arise, the lines get drawn in the right kind of way. Is what was permissible to God isn't permissible. What was acceptable to man is not acceptable to God. But God isn't criticising or judging you or judging me. He wants to come and deliver us into that kind of living. Hallelujah. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel, verse 19. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. So Ahab sent word throughout Israel and they all assembled at Carmel. But the people said nothing. Verse 22. And Elijah said to them, said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, which wasn't quite right, as, as you discover if, if you read the rest of the chapter. But Baal has 450 prophets. Verse 22. Get two bulls for us. 
let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces. And this is interesting because in the Bible, this is the very, very first ever barbecue. See, God likes barbecues. But there's some significance around this, as we'll look at in a minute. Uh, then you call on the name of the Lord, your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, uh, the God who answers by fire. He is God, verse 24. Then all the people said, what you say is good. And then we, we find out Elijah said to the people, you know, choose the bull, prepare it, la la They took the bull and gave it to them. Interestingly, in verse 25, God says to them, uh, choose the bull and prepare it, but don't light it. Don't light it. One of the challenges that God gave in to me uh, that I'm just going to share with you is the fire of God. I can't start it. I can long for it, but I can't start it. You can't start a refire or a revival, whatever word you want to get. You can't start it on your own. What we need to do is go through the journey that God is describing and then God brings the fire, as we'll see in a minute. So they took the ball, giving it to them. Then they called on the name of Baal and they cut themselves and all the stuff that was in their religion, blood flowing and cuts and self-inflicted injury and punishment and all that kind of stuff, which we can end up doing if we're not careful. We want God to do something, so we're going to beat ourselves up until he does. Is not the answer. We want God to do something brand new, so we're going to do something brand new, but actually it's not. We're going to begin to focus on our inability rather than God's wonderful ability. We're going to beat ourselves up. We're going to be, have, give ourselves a hard time. We're going to just become maybe critical of ourselves, maybe critical of other others. Maybe we whip ourselves with language and lifestyle. And God says, I, I don't send fire like that. And we, we can talk ourselves into an early grave. We can convince ourselves that we're, we have no value whatsoever. And in part, we're, we're right. But God isn't looking for that. Not in an unprecedented time, he's not. What he's looking for is this. Elijah began to wind them up a bit, as I would have done, to be honest with you. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them, saying, shout louder. Perhaps he's deep in thought, or busy, or travelling, or in another version, maybe he's gone to the toilet. Elijah was winding them up. And again, I think I probably would. If, is that it? Then come on, give it loud. You know, get yourself a bit more, jump around a bit more. But God didn't do anything in any of that, and neither did theirs. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying. The time of frantic prophesying is going to come to an end. You know, the earth is flat, the earth is round. This is the last one. I had an email sent last week by someone that says this is the year when everything's going to end. And I came out with a whole load of scripture, which is fine, but it's not theologically sound. And it's taken me two days to work it out, unpick it, unravel it. I can get how people get into stuff. But we need to get into God, not into stuff. Come on. I get how people can build their ministry around a bit of the scripture, but come on, let's get into the one that wrote it. I spent half of my life communicating the Bible, the other half trying to live it. Then verse 30, Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. Unprecedented. I believe for every single person here, you, whatever your age, whatever your journey with God, God is going to begin to gather people around you. He's going to begin to 
Put people around you, friends, neighbours, work colleagues, maybe people that were once your enemy, who maybe were just anti-Christian, anti-you, anti-everybody. But through all of their tribulation, all their work, they've got nothing back as an answer. But they see you as getting something from it as an answer. They're going to start coming around you like they did here. They came to him and he repaired the altar. Next step. If you and I want to see something unprecedented, we must repair the altar. We must. God isn't going to do that. I must repair the altar. See, now we're coming from Tuesday, Wednesday. How I pray, how I worship, how I give my time to God, how I give my life to God. I need to repair my altar of offering. The altar cannot repair itself. And to be honest, God burned up all the reasons, all the excuses in my head on why this shouldn't happen, that shouldn't happen. He just said, just put it on the altar. Repair it. And there were significant reasons, uh, facts on how they repaired it. Twelve stones, why? Because it represents the whole house of God. Everybody in the congregation needs to take some time to repair their altar. It's not just down to me, it's down to us. How do I pray? How do I look at the bird? How do I just look at God? How do I look at others? How do I look at the lost? God wants us to repair it and put it all on the altar. All the great stuff and all the rubbish stuff. Repairing the altar. Your name shall be Israel, verse 32. With the stones he built on altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seers of seed. He arranged the wood. We need some wood. Cut the bull into pieces. This is where it gets a little bit ouchy. Because God doesn't use bulls anymore. He uses you and he uses me. Romans 12 says this, we're to be a living sacrifice. God wants you and I to live, to have a passion, a zeal, a desire to live as a living sacrifice every day for God. It's all gone quiet in the room now. I thought it would do, because it did with me. When God began to speak this to me, he said, I'm not interested in your, in your, in your one-off offering. Your offering lasts forever. Lay down on the offering, because that's where the fire's going to touch. That's where the blessing's going to come. That's where the deliverance is going to hit. That's where redemption's going to take place. Not over there when you're preparing it, doing the stuff, being busy, but when you lay down before me, when you're in my presence. So, there's a lot of us that have been so busy being busy, we've forgotten what we're busy for. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Forget what it is that you're doing, but we can get so caught up with the activity that sometimes we forget the motive for it. And God wants to do something unprecedented. He wants to ignite the offering. He arranged the pieces, then he said, right, fill up four jars with water. He filled up four jars. Do it again. That's eight jars. Do it again. That's another lot of jars. The third time, that's 12 jars of water. That's a lot of water. What does that, what does that uh, reveal now? What God spoke to me is that that's how, that's how much I need to be in, in the spirit of prayer. Don't just stop when you've done it once. Do it again. Then do it again. Then do it again. So I'm getting up through, I mean, I'm getting up at city o'clock in the morning just to be with Jesus. It's a, it's a sacrifice. Would I sooner be asleep? Yeah. 
But it isn't the type of be asleep, it's the type of let the fire of God touch our lives. Because this fire is his love. It's not duty, it's not punishment, it's not guilt, it's not anything like that. This the love of God. The water ran down around the altar, verse uh, 36, and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. And I believe part of the unprecedented is you and I, we need to step forward and begin to pray and intercede. That it's like this season for me is like God's put a great big line in the sand and said, this is, this is it. This is as far as you're going and no further. But someone's got to begin to pray. Someone's got to begin to stand in the gap. Someone's got to stand between those that haven't and those that have. It's my responsibility. It's our responsibility. You might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not into prayer. No, but the Holy Spirit is brilliant at it. Well, I'm not a praying person. Well, if you're giving your life to Jesus, he is. So God was doing things with all my excuses and reason. Well, I just don't like praying. Holy oh, Spirit loves it. Go and shut him up. All the time, every day, every night. La, 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 la. Putting down this thing, releasing that thing, prophesying that thing, seeing that thing. The Holy Spirit loves to pray. Loves it. Answer me, O Lord, verse 37. So these people will know that you are the Lord. Why are we having 21 days of praying and fasting? Not for our benefit, to be honest. It's so that your friends and neighbours will know that there is a God and his name is Jesus. And he loves them and died for them and can change their life and give them a future and a destiny. We're going through the process so that other people can have the experience of the process. Does that make sense? So this isn't about what I'm going to get out of this. This is about what I'm going to put into this. Which is why I was excited yesterday when 15 people turned up in a house that only had 10 people in the front room. The rest of us were just blobbing out. Why? Because there's hunger there. Now, don't feel bad if you weren't there. Feel bad if you weren't there and you weren't doing anything else instead. Hello. Because we all need to be somewhere doing something to see God do something new and unprecedented. Answer me, O Lord. Verse 38, and I love this bit. Then the fire of the Lord fell. I love that. I can see this. On Wednesday, the fire of the Lord fell. People were getting burnt up. Loads of 14 people got healed in an hour. Nobody touched them apart from the fire of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Long term, short term, all kinds of diseases. Why? Because in the Psalms it says a fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies. Long-term, short-term, medium-term sicknesses, the fire of God just, just melted it out of people's lives. Because that's what the fire of God does. That's what his love does. That's what his passion does. The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench. I just love this imagery. I can't get away from this because normal fire doesn't do that. Look at Australia. That's, that's what uncontrolled fire can do. Turmoil, chaos, death. 27 people have had their lives taken away through that so far. You know that, don't you? And the thousands of square miles that are now desolate because of that. 
This isn't uncontrolled. This is controlled. This is purposed. This has got God's will behind it. When the fire of God comes, it's for a purpose. But it's going to consume everything on the altar. And there's, you won't find anything. There is nothing around the physical realm that consumes stones, water, meat and you other than the fire of God. Or if you want it in the natural realm, nuclear fusion will do this. Nothing else will. Electricity won't, gas won't, explosions won't. But to consume everything animal, mineral and vegetable, this is a power beyond our power. And we sing a song here, I can't remember the first bit of it, but I know in it, it says that same power lives in us. It's true. This fire power, this fire experience, God wants us to live in every day. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried to the Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. See, God wants to send his fire today. Thanks for that. He wants to. Just look at a couple more scriptures that, that I've given Steve already. So we'll use them, Steve, because you're there. <coughs> fire melts every mountain. Psalm 97, verse 3. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. Deliverance means you don't have to deal with foes. God deals with them. This fire that God is sending, this fire that God is releasing because of his love deals with enemies. It deals with the mountains, the challenges, whether they're hills or hillocks or just trip factors. The fire of God deals with them. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 20, and this is kind of the scripture I think we looked at on Tuesday, I can't remember because it was all like kind of one big meeting really. This is a guy in the Old Testament called Jeremiah and he said this, he'd been told to keep his mouth shut. He'd been said, don't say anything Jeremiah, otherwise you'll get into trouble. And his reply was this, verse 9, I won't mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I'll tell you, there is a fire in the Word of God that you can't shut down or shut up or ignore. If you know Jesus, this fire is in your bones. It's in your skeleton. It's in the thing that makes you, shapes you, leads you and directs you. There's a fire in there. Some of you just got to take the lid off a little bit. Stop being a smouldering wick and be the bonfire that God says that you can be. You're a fire. You're not a fire putter outer. You're a fire starter. Wednesday night, we had an amazing encounter time. We're going to have an amazing encounter time this Wednesday. We don't live out of experience, but out of the journey of the Holy Spirit. Well, I tell you last Wednesday, my goodness me, it was two hours of noise. Some of you would have hated it. Some of you would have loved it. But I tell you, God was in it. It was loud. Even for me, it was loud. But I tell you what, the fire, the brazier, the, the beacon of light and life that shone that night, all of hell saw that. The deliverance that came as a result of that. I tell you what, every demonic spirit, whether you know them or don't know them, would have been shuddering because of what God was doing that night. Come on. 
These spirits are alive. They want to kill you, steal from you, rob from you. We had a couple of, vis- of uh, on the Thursday night, we had a couple of pe- dreams that people have had. I won't go into them because to be honest, some of you won't like it. But it gave an insight into why do we need the fire of God? Because if you don't, Baal wins. If we don't have this fire, the wrong team wins. If we don't have this fire in our bones, people are having their lives taken from them before they should. You might be thinking, oh, you're bigging it up. Jolly well, right I am. There's 118,000 people live outside of this room. And if we're not standing up, calling on the fire, living as a sacrifice, there are too many going to live a time of hell because nobody's told them about Jesus. As you can tell, there's a bit of fire in my bones today. I make no apologies for that. Because wherever fire touches, it changes it. And my life has been changed this week. And I tell you, it's going to get changed next week too. But Jeremiah 20, I own that. God woke me up at about four in the morning and said, this is what I'm doing in you. I don't want you to do it in me, oh Lord. He said, tough. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Let's have it right way around. I chose you. I can't say to God, well, I chose you, but I didn't choose you for this. It doesn't work like that. God puts fire on the vis and it just becomes a part of ashes. Jeremiah, just such a... Then even this morning as we were praying for you, people are praying for you all the time. I don't know whether you understand it or not, whether you know God or whether you don't. People are praying for you. They're passionate for you to know Jesus, to know this love that he has for you, to know this fire that he has for you, that this fire burns up every single excuse and reason why you can sit there thinking, God doesn't love me. Yes, he jolly well does. And he's proved it because he's died for you. Doesn't need to keep telling you, he's shown you. What we need is to have all these excuses burnt up. And God is going to be doing that. So this morning as we were praying, Song, Song of Songs, which is a good old Bible if you're doing the marriage course, you do a lot of that. But this particular verse, verse 6, just came out. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. What I'm talking about is not a fire that is coming to bring destruction. God is a consuming fire. I'm talking about his fire is passion, desire, longing for you and for me. This fire is zeal, it's his energy, it's his desire, it's his purpose. It's fire. It's not just flaky. It's fire. Man, I want you. I want to heal you. I want to set you free. I want to provide for you. I want to lead you. I want to bring you into everything. There's a fire. There's a passion that God wants us to move into. I'm not just talking to myself here. Do you know what I'm talking This is a year of deliverance. This is a year of redemption. How is God going to do it? Not by sending flowers. He's going to send fire. He's not going to send a card. He's going to come himself. <laughs> Thursday and Friday and yesterday, 
All I can describe is that my lips are hot. Because for a moment, and I don't know why, I don't know why, I moved into an Isaiah 6 moment. If you don't know Isaiah 6, Isaiah went to church. This church service was a bit different. <laughs> he hadn't been there long. And the door he came through started to shake. The doorpost began to move. The lamppost, the doorpost, the beams began to shake. And it was like, well, that's a bit different. That doesn't normally happen in my church. Oh, that's a bit too spiritual. I don't want to go to a church like that. It was not what he was thinking. Then suddenly he began to be aware of supernatural activity. It's like, oh, hello. Supernatural activity in my church. What's that about? That's normal, my friend. And then he began to hear the voice of God. That's also normal for church. And in that moment, he realised his own lack and his own weakness. He identified with everything which was an excuse on why God couldn't do another verse. And he said, I am an unclean man and I live with an unclean people. And God said, I've got an answer for that. And he took a coal that, that Isaiah didn't light. He didn't start it. It was there. God touched it. And he brought this coal from heaven, if you like, and touched Isaiah's mouth and said, that's going to make all the difference. Come on. And again, I'm not bigging myself up because this was very painful. Is that during Thursday, God did that with me. I felt it, saw it, felt it. It hurts. Well, I'll tell you what, it changes what you say. Took a coal from the altar and touched his lips. I believe God wants to do that with some of us this morning. He wants to change how we speak. How we speak about God and how we speak about ourselves. He wants to change the way we speak about others, probably. He wants the way that we, maybe how we speak over the workplace or whatever. God wants to touch, he wants to touch our lips with his fire. I can't remember how long the meeting went. I can't remember. Was it two hours? I can't remember. It was, wasn't it? It was about two hours. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. And we just kind of started pretty simply. What is language? And what's the language God wants us to use? God wants to change the sound in your homes. He wants to change the sound over your singleness, over your married life, whatever it is. Whatever kind of life you're living, God wants to change the sound of it. But we can't do that. But he can touch our lips with his presence, his fire. And I believe that's part of what he wants to do this morning. I'm just going to kind of draw it to a close. Because what is the response for this? All kinds. What's the next step after this? Probably you need to listen to this again. So that you hear what I've said and not what you think I've said. Come on. Because the enemy will want to steal this message from you. Because he doesn't want you to be delivered or redeemed, but God does. Some of you might need to just take the scriptures that I've used, find some others that God gives you and own them. I don't just mean learn them. It's okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? Not what have you said, but what do I do with what you've said? Around repairing the altar, rebuilding it, putting things on it. What does that mean to me? Yeah? Not, what does that mean in the Bible? What does it mean to me? 
then maybe what does it mean to live with this sense of your word is like a fire in my bones and I've just got to let it out. Just got to let it out. And I don't mean that we all go around with a preaching ministry. If we're, if we're doing this properly, we've all got a preaching ministry. Preaching is, we'll talk about that another day, but preaching is not what we think it is. Preaching is bringing God's word with God's authority and seeing a God difference as a result. That's what preaching really is. Anything else is teaching. But that's for another story. It's what is it that we, how do we put the water onto it? Because this is where the impossible happens. You don't put water on something you want to catch fire. Just, that's just stupid. But God said, do it. And suddenly the stupid becomes the method. So maybe we just need to come on and say, okay, body, I just need to give a bit more time. I'm going to pray in the spirit a little bit more. I'm going to pray the word a little bit more. I'm going to pray with others a little bit more. I'm just going to pray in a different way, not just in a different setting. I'm just going to have a bit more worship time. I'm just going to have a bit more praise time. Why? Because we want to put some water on it. Ooh, hallelujah. Because normally you wouldn't put water to fuel a fire, but in, in the spirit you do. The Bible says that it's, like a wellspring, isn't it? Guard your heart. That was one, wasn't it? Proverbs, I remember that one. So everybody jumping up. It's the wellspring of life. Boing. Let's all stand up, shall we? So here's some thoughts then, spiritually. I don't know how engaged you've been with the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Might be a lot, might be a little. I can just encourage you, give God some space. Just give God some space in your day, in your week, in your daytime, in the morning, in the evening, whenever you can. Just give God some space because God will do something in the space. Pray in tongues, pray in the spirit a bit more than maybe you used to because it's fueling it. Have a little bit more praise and worship on. Just take some time for God to do something, say something, be something. In our head, it's like, well, I don't have time, I don't have time. We can all find some time, even if it's just a couple of minutes a day. Get along to some of these encounter things. I know, it's, you know some of them have been in Horsham and in our head, it's like, oh, it's miles away. Well, I do that journey five times a week. Distance is in your head. But that's up for you to work that out. Um, if you want something, you'll go for something. The great thing about it is, is on Wednesday, we've got one here. Yeah. And it's the same God here as it is there. Yeah. Actually, I've discovered that. Hallelujah. In fact, I won't say that. In fact, I would say there's probably more. But anyway, let's... let's uh, then there's... At other times, just close your eyes, shall we? I'll say that so that I don't say the wrong thing. Father, I want to thank you that you are sending down fire from above. But also you want to release fire from the inside of us. If we know you and if we've received you, then we've received the one who takes away and gives both the Holy Spirit and fire. As it says in Matthew, there is Jesus who takes away and then will baptise, give us the Holy Spirit and 
fire. So I want to thank you for everyone here that knows you, that is filled with your power and your presence, that there is a fire within us. But God, please blow on that fire, stoke that fire, increase that fire. Let us work with that. Let us become like the bellows as we blow on that fire. But also God, send your fire from above. Send the fire of the Holy Spirit afresh on our lives so that we won't just smolder in life, but we will blaze, we will glow, we will shine for the glory of God. That we are going to say, this is far enough for the enemy. This year is going to be a year when this church, this congregation, everybody connected with us, now and those that you send over these next 12 months, we are going to arise. And we're going to shine. And we're going to say God is good. And God is more than enough. We refuse to live in the past. When you're saying that this is a year of deliverance. And this is a year of redemption. So I thank you for the deliverance that we're going to experience. We're going to see it. We're going to hear it. We're going to taste it. I thank you for the redemption that you're going to work in us and through us, that what was lost is going to be found. What was barren will be fruitful. That which was dark will come into the glorious light of the sons of God. So I want to thank you for those who have made decisions for you in the past and they've walked away from you. We call them back into your presence. We call them back into the fire of your presence. And Lord, if we don't feel impassioned today, God, stir up something in our lives. Stir up that fire, that zeal of your love and of your power in us so that we see multitudes this year. Hundreds of people making decisions for Jesus, receiving their miracle, receiving their healing, receiving their deliverance. And I thank you that that is our commission for this year, that we will arise and shine and see the glory of God in the land of the living. Do it with us, do it with our young people, do it with our children, do it with those that we know, those that we don't yet know. Because God, you are saying 2020 is an unprecedented year. I don't know about anybody else. I refuse to look at this year like I've looked at every other year. I refuse to. I refuse to look for less or even the same. I'm going to look for you. I'm going to look for you. And Lord, whatever I need to do practically, Lord, I'm going to get in a small group. Man, I'm going to be part of a local bonfire. I'm going to stoke people up until they are on fire for you. Man, I'm going to do freedom if I need to, because your word fuels the fire of faith in my heart. Man, I'm going to get involved in Alpha so other people can catch fire with the presence of Jesus. Man, I'm going to just get involved with whatever I can so that we become like a, like a fire blazing over this town that people can say, come and see what God has done. And I thank you and I praise you and I give you all the glory. And everybody shouted, clapped and said, Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.